Hello, Generations family. Thank you for joining us at our online experience this morning. Hope you're having a great morning already. We're going to go right into the Word. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go right into the Word. Um, I can't wait for today. We're starting uh, 21 days of prayer, 21 days of prayer, and I'm really, really excited. Um, I need to um, ask your forgiveness. I said we were going to be doing communion today. We're actually doing a communion a week from today. I got my dates wrong. kind of fits with what I'm going over that day. So we'll be doing communion together one week from today. So please get your elements ready. You know, you can do communion anytime. Even today after my sermon, you could do communion with your family. Uh, So if you already have your elements ready, you do that. But as a church family, we're going to be doing communion one week from today um, in the building and online. We'll be doing it all at the same time. So I think that'll be pretty cool. Um, But today, I'm starting 21 days of prayer, and the promise today from the scripture is God will heal our land. God will heal our land, and I'm going to tell you how. I'm going to pray, and we're going to get right into the word. Father, I thank you for my church family. Lord, today let your word go forth and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we live in a crazy world. People, People now have seemed to have become more opinionated and loud and angry and how many you know there's a lot of people maybe you're included in that maybe I'm included in that from time to time that we claim to know God's will about anything and everything right but sometimes when we claim that out of arrogance it, it becomes interesting that how often God's will seems to line up with our opinions our preferences our desires right You know, this message today, I hope it helps you. I hope it helps me. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. But we're in this moment of time, and I don't want this to be kind of a down message. I just want it to be a truthful message where, you know, if you live in our country, America, or the world, you you see that the, the world, America, our nation has never been more divided, right? Never been more divided. That could be divided politically, economically. Um, it could be divided on social issues, whatever that is. But just listen. To, actually, I don't recommend you listen to it. But but for context, you could listen to talk radio. You could listen to television. You could listen to people on TV. Come on, are you with me? You could um, you could look at people on social media who are often impulsive with what they share. You could look at forwards that are fictitious or fake news or all these things going on in our world just to kind of fan the flame of anger, right? This is happening every single day. Of course, much of that fear, or let me say it the way, much of that anger that you see in our world is actually based on fear and concern. People are worried about the direction of the place they live in. In our context, we're worried about the direction of the nation. And there's a lot of reasons to be concerned in the world we live in right now. Let me let me give you a few reasons. You know, I, I don't want to just dive off into these, this heavy topic, but I do want to tell you where we're at as a society. Did you know that every 10 seconds a child is abused? I was reading this this week and it just rocked me. More than four children die from child abuse and neglect on a daily basis. Over 70% of those children are below the age of three. Forty-three of U.S. children live without their father. Since abortion became illegal in, or legal in 1973, there have been more than 60 million abortions in our country. There are ne- nearly 750,000 teen pregnancies a year. There are over 127,000 reported rapes um, in 2018, a little more in 2019. 
There were 16,214 murders and manslaughter cases on average the last three years. Church attendance and membership has declined as much as 20 to 30 percent across our nation. The the percentage of Americans who profess to be Christians is at an all-time low. Come on. Uh, Have I got you down yet? I'm going to pick you back up hopefully in a second. But we have reasons to be concerned, right? We do. America needs help. I don't doubt that in any way. So what's the answer? What do we do? Does the church stand by and watch as America slides down the slippery slope to hell? Do we do we start a political party? Come on, do we pick it? Do we petition? Is the answer Christian TV or talk radio? Do we solve it with Facebook? What do we do? When a nation has lost its spiritual foundation, what should be the response of the church? When we've lost our spiritual foundation, what should be the response of the church? You know, it's actually not the first time this has happened. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was on a spiritual and political roller coaster. It was like this endless cycle. It just kept going around and around. The nation would lose a war. They would be taken captive. Um, In response, the people would cry out to God, burn their idols, destroy pagan altars, declare that they, they would only serve the one true God, and God would hear their prayers, and a time of peace and prosperity followed. Then the people would get comfortable. They would take their blessings for granted again. Morality would decay. Sexual sin inside and outside the church. Worship of the one true God would fade away. Idol worship would return. And every time when they turned from God, Israel was defeated by their enemies and taken captive again. So persecuted and oppressed, they would return to God. They'd plead for his mercy. His his presence and glory would be restored. God responded to their prayers and peace and prosperity returned. Then the cycle would keep going. The cycle would keep going. Sexual sin, moral decay, spiritual decline, political corruption, selfish immoral leaders, all of it would start all over again. Come on. And it would just keep going. But then we enter a time period and enters King Solomon. All right? And people have sacrificially... They've given sacrificially, and Solomon built this elaborate temple to honor the Lord. And the dedication of the temple was really like an amazing event, an amazing party is not even the right word. Um, And there was this outpouring of worship and celebration, and Solomon prayed a prayer, officially dedicating the temple. And in that prayer, he prayed these words in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 24 through 31. 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 24 31. I'm just going to read it to you, okay? It says, When the people, Israel, have been defeated by an enemy because they've sinned against you, and when they turn back and confess your name, praying and making supplication before you in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people, Israel, and bring them back to the land you gave them and their fathers. He goes on to say, When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you, and when they... And, and when they pray towards this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you have afflicted them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sins of your servants, your people. Teach them the right way to live and send rain on the land you gave your people an inheritance. When famine and plague come to the land or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, or when enemies besiege them, whatever disaster or disease may come, And when a prayer or plea is made by any of your people, Israel, each one aware of his afflictions and pains and spreading out his hands towards his temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Forgive 
and deal with each man according to all he does since you know his heart so that they will fear you and walk in your ways all the time they live in the land you gave our fathers. So in this moment, Solomon, if you're getting this prayer, and I want you to read this again later, he attributes the challenges Israel continually faced not to their enemies, but to God's disobedient people. Chapter 7, verse 1 says, When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Lord, let that happen right here at Generations Church, right here in our region, in our state, in our nation. Let it let it happen again that the glory of the Lord would, would fill the temple so much so that all we could do is bow down and give thanks to the Lord, just like the priest did when that happened. Let his glory come down again. Let it be. It says the king and all his people offered sacrifices before the Lord, and King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 head of cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. You know, in today's money, that would have been $55 million worth of cows and $24 million worth of sheep. You know, and to accomplish that many sacrifices would require 20 sacrifices a minute for 10 hours a day for 12 solid days. It was this massive, like elaborate celebration of God's power and God's presence. Sometime later, God appeared to Solomon to respond to this prayer. And here's what God told Solomon. He said, I've heard your prayer and I've chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land and send a plague among my people. Let's stop right there. Why would God do that? Remember Solomon's prayer, those things occurred because God was judging his people for their sins. Now, it's very important to know this. Hear me this morning, that God's people were being judged. The people who knew him and knew what it was to serve him. See, we can be guilty of like twisting scripture if we attempt to use that scripture as an argument against people who don't know God. God says to Solomon, when my people have strayed from me, when the nation has turned to pagan altars and forgotten to put their trust in me, and when my hand of blessing is removed, this is what I want you to know and do. See, God's instructions to a nation in crisis is the promise that we learn today. And it should be the response of the church in America in the crisis we face and are facing and will face. This is it. This, this is how we see real lasting change in our cities, our states, and our nation. Are you, it's 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, everybody say that at home, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. That was the answer for Israel then. And hear me this morning. I believe that's God's answer for us and our nation now. If my people who are called by my name... I want to slow down for a moment. I want to look at this verse again. Um, maybe some of you have heard this verse quoted like hundreds of times. Maybe some of you have never heard it before. But, but I don't want you to just know the Bible verse this morning. I want you to understand it. I want you to embrace God's instructions. Remember the goal of this is our land be healed. God says for that to happen, if my people who are called by my name, who is my people called by my name? That's us, Christians. 
followers of Jesus, God's people. You know, God's people are not a political party. We're, we're, God's people are not a social movement, an ethnicity, or a or a economic class. We are people who love God. And right off the bat, you you may struggle with God's words. Us. What do you mean us? The problem isn't us. It's it's them, right? But but see, we've made the challenges in our world an us against them type thing. But he's speaking to the church. I want to ask you this morning. Church Online, are you a follower of Jesus? If so, God's plan for America and the world starts with you and me. Next, God tells us what to do. If you want to see a turnaround in your in your in your community, in your state, in your nation, in your world, this is the formula. This is the answer. Come on, as humans, sometimes we have a different way we want to accomplish stuff. God's and God's answer may not always be what we like. Sometimes it may be controversial. It may, it may not be popular, but it's right because it's God's answer, which is always going to be better than our answer. Somebody say amen. And here's God's answer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Let me stop there. The word used for humble means to stop arrogant, self-focused, sinful behavior and approach God in repentance with a humble attitude. Man, that's strong. And that leads us to this question, how do you humble yourself? First, we acknowledge we don't have all the answers. Man, I know I don't have all the answers. See, what can happen is if we're not careful, we can be way too quick to have all the answers for our sin-sick society. We, we can be way too quick to act like we have all the solutions figured out. If everyone will just do what we say, everything will be fixed. Here's what I know. As followers of Jesus, we have to focus on applying God's instructions to our own lives and not and not focus on directing anger at others who aren't serving Him. Our focus needs to be applying God's instructions on our own lives. See, it's it becomes arrogant to think that we have all of the answers. First, let's just acknowledge it right now. We do not have all the answers. Only God does. The second way we humble ourselves is worship. You know, worship acknowledges all authority and power belongs to God. Worship acknowledges that God is our creator, that he has the answers. Not his creation, but the creator. Man, I love worship. I hope I hope if you do church online consistently, I hope you're worshiping in your house. I know we've been in a transition with no worship right now, but man, I hope you're turning you have access to worship. If you have any kind of media at all, you have access to worship music. And I hope you're taking time to worship, not just on Sundays, but every day. You know, when we lift our hands and we bow our knees to God, we we humble ourselves before Him. True, pure worship doesn't require like a concert or or musicians. Worship just isn't singing a song and calling it good. It's not just checking off the box for a once a week type deal. This worship is a lifestyle. I love what Louis, Louis Giglio writes. He says, Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who He is and what He has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. So worship is how we respond to God with our lives, our actions, our words, our sacrifice. It's a choice. It's a decision that leads to humility. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, not only do we humble ourselves, and worship, God says, pray and seek my face. Remember the end of the verse is, I will hear from heaven, 
forgive their sin and heal their land. See, God's formula for healing America, God's answer is for you and me to pray. Now that seems really simple, doesn't it? It seems simple. But, but it's the last thing as humans we want to do a lot of times, right? We, we love seeking answers through other means than through prayer. Come on, if we can, if, and I've thought these thoughts before, if we could just elect the right people, if we could just enact the right laws, then America will be healed. But when you really think about it, it doesn't make logical sense, does it? Because we don't actually have a political problem in America. We have a spiritual problem. And, and we, we don't have a social problem. We have a spiritual problem. And a political answer, social answer, whatever it might be, can never solve a spiritual problem. Let me, let me ask you this. If we elected someone as president who believes as we believe, and every official, federal, state, and local, all believe like us, would that solve the problems in America? Uh, ima- imagine, let, let me go further, if we got all the laws right, from zoning laws to tax code to immigration to policy to crime bills, if it was exactly the way we think it should be, would that usher in the kingdom of God? Would the hearts of parents be turned towards their children? Would all the marriages become models of faithful love? Would greed and pride be legislated out of existence? Would that solve the problem of sexual immorality and anger and violence and suicide and addiction? Of course not. Because no human system, hear me this morning, no human system has the ability to change the heart. Now listen to me closely because I don't want you to hear something I'm not saying. I am absolutely for Christians in politics at every level. I I look forward to a student or a kid from Generations Church being the mayor of our city or whatever city you're in one day. I, I look forward to Christian kids growing up and being the mayor. I look forward for a kid from our church being the governor of the state of Oklahoma. Maybe a kid from our church will be the president of the United States, and when they get there, they better send Air Force One for their pastor. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I'm for Christians in national, state, local politics. I want Christians in television and newspapers and radios. I want that. I want our kids and our churches, our families to aspire to be leaders in every segment of society, right? Like we should be involved, but never mistake. Hear me this morning. Never mistake God's, never mistake involvement for God's answer. Listen, I love Oklahoma. I love our city, our county, our region. I love this country. Listen, I love America. I respect and pray for our leaders. But hear me, my hope, your hope for the future, my hope for the world is not in them. My trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ. God may, hear me, and I hope will use some of these men and women to bring healing to our land. God may, and I hope will, use Americans to bring healing to the world. But understand this, healing is found in Jesus Christ alone. He's the hope of the world. Listen, my citizenship is in heaven first and the world second, right? So if like politics is not the answer, maybe it's petitions and picketing. Would that solve it? Would that heal our land? No, it wouldn't. No human system has the ability to change the heart. Listen, we've tried lots of answers over the past few years, right? Like 
politics and petitions and ranting and raving and anger come on and intimidation. We can try all those things instead of prayer, but when we do, hear me, we are fighting the battle according to the playbook of the enemy instead of following God's instructions for our life. See, God's answer is clearly revealed in Scripture. Lots of Christians in America, maybe myself included from time to time, aren't doing it the way God wants us to do it. Because prayer takes time and it takes humility. And people want instant answers, but God has called us to pray. And as humans, we try to control things. And, and, and if God's not doing it on our timetable, come on, we want to we take it back. We want to control it. And, and even as God tells us to humble ourselves, we will push our ideals and opinions forward. Prayer takes focus and effort. Prayer puts the emphasis on God instead of us. You know, prayer doesn't like gain more social media followers. There's no, there's no glory from men in prayer. Our ego doesn't get fed when we pray. Prayer doesn't make us look more powerful or, or important Prayer has to be the strength of the church, has to be the strength of generations, church, right? All too often we're tempted to turn to other things instead of prayer. Let me just tell you, every time you're tempted to turn to the other things, why don't you just try to start praying? Just pray. Come on. And not like a God get that liar prayer, right? Come on, there's a, there's a reason why God said to humble ourselves before we pray we don't get humble and acknowledge we don't have the answers, we will never turn to him in prayer. We will never turn to him in prayer. If we want our land healed, it starts with humbling ourselves. Hear me this morning, seeking his face in prayer. And we have to ask ourselves, self-reflection is important. Is prayer a priority in our lives? You know, prayer is actually the key to the change that we are trying to vote into existence. I love voting. I love being involved. But the change I'm trying to vote into existence, prayer is the key to that change. Prayer is the key, heaven coming to earth. Prayer is what matters. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Now, now it really gets tough we're, we're, because what happens is Christians... Um, and maybe we're guilty of this as a church sometimes. I hope not. But we can be very quick to point out the sin of society and slow to point out the sins inside the church. You know, there's a whole lot of reputable statistics that say the divorce rate in the church um, almost, not quite, but almost is the same as outside the church. That just as many people struggle with pornography and sexual addiction inside the church as they do outside the church. And, you know, and to avoid offending people, the church sacrifices moral authority a lot of times. So sometimes the church lowers our standards and holiness is diminished so we can, like, build a crowd and keep it, right? But here's what I know. To turn from our wicked ways, the Bible is telling us to change direction. Change direction. It's like a course correction, a new path, the, the opposite way. If you think there's issues in America, and I absolutely believe there is, it's if we want to clean those issues up, it starts with the church. It starts with the church. It starts with a turnaround. Listen, I long for the day, 
and I know lots of pastors say this, but but we do. We long for the day when people will get as excited about worshiping God as they do at concert or football games. I, we, I long for the day when church attendance matters more than sleeping in or going to the lake or catching up on homework. I pray church becomes a priority again. I long for the day when prayer, come on, is more important than the latest thing on Netflix. When the church begins to live at a high standard of sexual purity different than the world we claim to be trying to save. I long to see marriages holy and, and strong and committed to God. I long for our habits to be different from the world because we're peculiar people supposed to be set apart. God heal our land. God heal our land, but God start right here. See, it's easy to get excited about the church needing to turn from its wicked ways, but it's really not about that. It's a personal thing, all right? Are you with me? It starts with you, and it starts with me. God said, if my people, that's you, that's me. In fact, read the verse a totally different way. In fact, I'll do it. Are you ready? If Josh Seabolt, who is called by my name, will humble himself and pray and seek my face and turn from his wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive his sin and will heal his land. Come on, that's a little more difficult, right? What, what areas in your life do you need to pray that prayer over? What areas are you li- in your life are you not following the Lord? Are you not pleasing Him? Make that verse personal and, and do self-reflection of what do I need to change? What area of my life are not pleasing to God? If we will do that, what will happen? In response, God says, then I will hear from heaven, forgive your sin, and heal your land. Isn't that interesting? Our worship... Prayer and repentance leads to God forgiving us. Somebody say amen. Then when we stand before him humble and forgiven, acknowledging that all power, all authority, and all the answers are in him, look what happens. The goal, what we've been hoping for, what we've been trying to accomplish on our own, God will heal our land. That's what I want. I know that's what you want. Come on, desire is not an issue. But the question is, are we willing to follow God's plan? Are we willing to follow God's plan? Will you humble yourself? Will you pray? Will you turn from your wicked ways and seek God's face? If we do that, he will forgive our sin and heal our land. Listen, it's time for God's church to be united under the cross of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. So what are we doing as a church? The next 21 days, we're going into a special time of prayer. And we're giving you a challenge. You know, prayer is a lot more about listening than it is talking. If you don't know how to pray, there's so many resources to pray. There's so many resources out there for you. But we're starting something called Drop Down and Give Me 20. Everybody say that. Say, Drop Down, Give Me 20. It's kind of a funny play on words. But we're asking you every day for the next 21 days, ending on August 8th. Of course, we hope you keep going. For you to take 20 minutes, set your alarm, and take 20 minutes out of your day to just seek the Lord. Maybe not even, we want you to pray for things and pray for what you need, but maybe in that 20 minutes, it'd just be about seeking God. Lord, what do you want for my life? Lord, show me, show me things that I need to change. Affirm me, affirm me and correct me. I just want you to spend 20 minutes a day truly seeking the Lord. We're going to come out with some more stuff that we're going to add on to this in the next few weeks. Um, but but I want you to do that. And then on August 8th, we're going to have a special set of services in the building um, that, that are going to culminate this. And obviously, we'll have an online experience for that as well. But I just want us as a... I can't control every church in America. 
The only church I have is this church I'm responsible for. And so I just want us to come together for 21 days and say, let's pray. Let's be humble. Let's watch our social media posts. Let's watch how we treat people. Watch how we talk to people. Let's be humble people. Let's be worshipful people. Let's be prayerful people. And I, be God, I believe God will change us, and then he'll change our world. Do you believe that? I hope you do. I love each and every one of you. I'm so honored to be your pastor. Hope you have a great week. I'll see you really soon.